0: Today we continue this five-week series on the topic of forgiveness, and we've entitled it The Important Business of Forgiveness. And it is important business, and the reason we chose to preach on this uh, topic for five weeks is because forgiveness is so important. If we don't learn how how to forgive, we can end up like uh, the servant last week in our parable, being tortured in a sense. On the other hand, if we learn how to forgive, and not just to forgive once in a while, but to be, be generous, forgiving people, then I think we are very close to the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give us. So it's an important topic, and today we uh, look at a, a great story from the Gospel of Luke. And so let me read this passage to you, it comes from Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 36 through 50. Again, this is a short but very powerful parable right in the heart of this story. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar Of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. And what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would take this beautiful story, this passage of scripture, this powerful story, and I pray that through it and through the meditations of my heart that you would speak to us a very clear word about this topic of forgiveness and the effect that it has on our lives every day, and especially in our relationship with you and in our relationship with ourselves and with others. And we pray these things in Christ's name, amen. So we sometimes forget just how dramatic the bible can be let me tell you netflix has nothing on the bible it is full of very dramatic stories and this one today is definitely one of those let me set the context for you a little bit jesus has been invited to a dinner party at the home of simon who is a pharisee and Most of us probably know a little bit about the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the day, devoted completely to the law. In fact, they were so devoted to it, they made up extra laws just to make sure they were covered. They were very confident of their own righteousness. And here's what we often don't know. They were very respected by the people of the day. They were a lay movement whose goal it was to keep Israel separate from the nations around it. And one of the ways they saw to do this, in fact, the most important way, was by keeping the religious law. So Jesus is invited to the Pharisee's house. Now, this was not uncommon at this time for a religious leader to be invited to another religious leader's house. In fact, Oftentimes the, the religious folks of that town would gather around for a dinner party and they would discuss the finer points of theology, maybe even argue a little bit about the interpretation of the law. And sometimes they would invite someone who they were kind of checking out to see if they were a true prophet. Now, they, I'm sure they have been hearing about Jesus healing people and teaching with great authority, And even here was the thing that really piqued their attention. They heard that Jesus was forgiving sin, which amounted to blasphemy. And so they may have invited Jesus to this discussion to trap him, to see if he really was uh, blasphemous. And so they invited him to this dinner party, and oftentimes Where that dinner party would be held would be in an inner courtyard of a home. And here's what's really interesting. The people in the town would gather around. It was kind of the entertainment for the night. They would gather around kind of in the shadows just outside the flickering of the lamp. And they would listen. They would not contribute to the discussion, but they would listen and could observe now you got to know that uh, oftentimes when it says they were reclining at the table in fact this was probably the case in the Last Supper which makes all those paintings we see, we see about the Last Supper erroneous uh, or, or in error uh, they would recline at the table they would put their hand on their uh, or their left elbow and they'd sit with their legs out behind them and they would eat with their right hand. So That's the scene. The religious leaders, the educated, the learned, the decent folk of the village at the table, a low table, and the people all around. Now, it's interesting that Jesus was not given the kind of respect usually given to rabbis or even ordinary guests. And this is a hint to us that Simon's intentions were probably to trap him. They were probably a bit cynical. And so Jesus was not given the normal courtesies that were offered a guest or certainly a religious leader uh, in the Middle East. Water for the feet to wash off the dust, a kiss of greeting, and some sort of oil for refreshment on the head. Simon did none of these three basic hospitality uh, gestures for Jesus So perhaps the dinner had begun, perhaps the discussion had started, and here is where the drama begins. Really dramatic. Into that scene comes a woman who is described in the passage as a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town. Now, when a woman is described in such a way in the New Testament, it almost always means that she was promiscuous or uh, a prostitute. Everyone in town which probably was a small town, knew her. And she was exactly the type of sinner, the type of person that the Pharisees, these upright, righteous people, would have nothing to do with. To be associated with these types of people who they thought were outside of the love of God would make them unclean. So they had nothing to do with them. Into that scene this woman comes, and she does something that is dramatic, in fact, kind of scandalous. As if she is oblivious to everyone else in the courtyard, the woman begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. I love how the paraphrase, the message, translates this. It says, she rained tears on his feet. And then she lets her hair down, which women never did, except for her husband, their husband. And she dries his feet with her hair. And then the scriptures tells us that she kissed his feet. And the verb tense for kiss there doesn't mean just once or twice. But she is repeatedly kissing the feet of Jesus. And then she takes this alabaster jar that's probably hanging around her neck. She breaks it. And she pours this expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. Don't miss this. This is an expression of deep love, of gratitude, of appreciation. Just kind of this outpouring of love. Now, I say this is dramatic. Can you imagine being in that courtyard witnessing this really kind of outpouring of gratitude and love. I'm sure it was completely silent. Now how would you how would it affect you if you saw this situation? Would you be moved by it? My guess is how would you not be moved by it? But Simon the Pharisee is not moved by this expression of love. In fact his reaction reveals his heart. He says to himself, if this man were a prophet, oh, he would know what kind of woman this is that is touching him, that she is a sinner. Like I said earlier, for Jesus to allow this woman to touch him implicates him in her sin. A true prophet in that day, a religious leader, would never allow such behavior. But Jesus senses what Simon is thinking in his heart. and He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now, this is a Hebraism for, let me shoot straight with you, Simon. I'm going to be really honest with you here. And then he tells him a short but very powerful parable. He says a moneylender had two guys that owed him money. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, neither one of these two borrowers could repay the, the money lender. So, the money lender forgave both. Now, here's the important question. Simon, now which one of these two debtors will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who, who owed him more, the one With the greater debt. Jesus said, You're right, that's correct. Then, turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, Jesus said this He said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your home, but you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You gave me no oil for freshening up, but she has soothed me with expensive perfume. Now here's the key. For this reason, Simon, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And here is where we find the key truth for today. Here is where we find a secret to learning how to love, to be a loving person, to forgive. Do you see it? A person who is forgiven little only loves little. And those who have been forgiven much, love much, forgive much. Wow, simple. But, oh, such a profound truth that has so many implications for our lives. Jesus gives us a very simple but profound truth in this story that if we take it to heart, it can change our lives. It can certainly transform our relationships. You know, our ability to love both God and others and ourselves is linked somehow to our experience of God's love and forgiveness in our lives. And God's love is most powerfully expressed in his forgiveness of us. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Now we got to back up a little bit to make sense of this passage. I think most scholars agree that this woman has had a prior experience with Jesus uh, in which he forgave her for her sins. At the end of the passage, when Jesus says, you are forgiven, it's really more accurately translated, you have been forgiven. Now realize this, indicating that perhaps the woman had been forgiven the day before or days before. So these tears definitely are not tears of shame or sorrow. They are tears of gratitude for a person who believed probably most of her life, that she was out of the realm of the reach of God's love, all of a sudden she is experiencing the love of God. She has experienced the power of forgiveness, the power of God's love in her life. She's been given a new slate, brand new clean slate, a new beginning for years. This woman thought that she was out of, outside of the reach of God's love, that, that God even was an enemy to her. And now she is experiencing God's redeeming love, his acceptance of her for the first time. A heart that was empty is now filled with God's love. Those who have been forgiven much love much. You know, I've, I've had the privilege of knowing some really gracious people. Do you know someone who's just a gracious, magnanimous person? A person who's just kind of big and lets the little slights, the little hurts of life, just, just kind of roll off their back. They, they don't get rattled by those things they are magnanimous. I don't know how else to say it. They're gracious. They, they also don't get too upset about the big hurts. Somehow they have compassion. Somehow they have empathy. Somehow they have understanding. They are forgiving people. And not just people who forgive once in a while. Again, this distinction. But generous people who forgive. And it's not that they're apathetic or they don't care or that they somehow minimize the offense that's been done against them. They just know how to forgive. And you know what I know about these people? They are people who know God's forgiveness and grace. They are people who know that a great debt has been paid on their behalf. The most loving people I have met are people like this woman. People who know their own indebtedness to God their own sinfulness they know they are broken they're humble but they also know very much that they are loved which goes back to my definition that I gave you last week of the gospel the good news and if you don't remember everything else I say in this time that I'm with you remember this here's the gospel you're more broken or more sinful than you ever dared believe. But you are also most more loved than you could ever dare hope. Now what's important about that is to realize that there is a penultimate and an ultimate statement here. The penultimate statement is that you are broken. And that is part of the good news. Because that is the truth. But. You are more loved. And that's where you want to live. These people that I'm talking about, they know those two truths of the gospel. And it doesn't mean they don't like themselves or see themselves as worms. No. They just know that they are not perfect. There is an awareness in them that they are capable, as capable of horrible things as anyone else given the right circumstances but they also know they are deeply loved and see i i think this gives us confidence in life because we are broken people the greatest gift we can have is knowing this love that knows we are broken knows more than we know about ourselves and loves us deeply that's the gospel They know grace. Now, let's get back to Simon to close this message today. There's some important truths here. You see, it's easy to read this parable and think that Simon is the little debt person. In fact, I think Simon thinks he's the little debt person and doesn't need any forgiveness because he's barely sinned at all. He has kept the law. He pays his taxes. He, he drives the speed limit. He's the little league coach. He's an upstanding person in the community. This, this is Simon. And he's divide, devoted his whole life to being righteous, of being careful not to do the, anything that breaks the religious law. He's kept his nose clean. In his own eyes and in the eyes of others, he, he is righteous. And Simon, I'm sure, sees himself this way. I think this is why Jesus tells him this parable. And as he first listens to this parable, he is probably thinking that he is the little debt person. And he perceives himself as having little debt, especially, especially compared to this despicable woman. And he looks at people like her and probably says to himself, how can... How come they can't be more like me? How come they can't be more righteous? And why can't they get their lives together? And see, this is the surprise of the parable. Remember last week I told you every parable has a surprise and that surprise unlocks the meaning of the parable. Well, the surprise of this story is that Simon is as big a debtor as this woman. You see, God doesn't grade on a curve, and really when you think about it, who is the one who has broken the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself? This is what Jesus does with the parables. At first we hear them, and they don't really shake us up, and then we sit with them for a moment, and bam! They hit us like a ton of bricks. See what Jesus is really saying here is we are all big debt people. God doesn't grade on a curve. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's difficult to forgive unless you've realized you have been forgiven. And somehow there is this link between realizing this truth and really letting the full effect of God's forgiveness into our lives. And there's a link between that and our ability to love. To let the gracious love of God flow through us. In conclusion, I want to ask you a couple questions. You want to become a more loving person? You want to have a greater capacity to forgive? This passage gives us a very simple but very profound truth. The more you understand and let God's forgiveness have its full effect in your lives, the more loving you will become. That's the good news. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this beautiful story. The powerful truth that is is really just um, so clear in it. We pray, God, that somehow you would open our eyes to our own debt that we owe you. And not to wallow in it and not to beat ourselves up but so we can know the amazing love that you have for us, that you know us better than we know ourselves. You know everything about us, and yet you love us more than we could ever imagine. God, may this truth just grab our lives, and may we be free people, free to forgive, free to love.